artist and instructor at over 70 universities, conservatories, and colleges. Made national television and radio appearances, performed with dozens of major orchestras, and has an extensive discography. Joe is currently performing with the Canadian Brass and Meridian Arts Ensembles and has toured extensively as a soloist. Join Yamaha marketing manager Kurt Witt as he speaks with Joe regarding his multifaceted musical life and what it takes to be one of the hardest working trumpet artists in the business. Welcome to this podcast recording. I'm here with trumpet artist, Yamaha trumpet artist Joe Bergstaller. We're here at Yamaha Artist Services Incorporated, YASI, in the heart of New York. Uh, really a, a beautiful facility. And uh, so if you hear music, street scenes, walking around, it's the, uh, the New York ambience. Maybe cops, you know, police cars, fire engines, <laughs> who knows. Joe, what is this facility, YASI, for you as a performing trumpet artist, what does this facility mean to you? It's a great resource. Uh, you know, Yamaha used to have a, a facility a little further south in Manhattan, and then uh, for a couple of years did not have one here, and then opened this and this incredible two floors, one floor full of instruments that you can just come and play anything you want for as long as you want, and then another floor with uh, a lot of pianos, which is not what I'm interested in, but it's uh, the rest of the, the, the third floor is a recital space, and there are a lot of musical events happening here throughout the year, so Yamaha has really established a presence in New York, um, especially for brass, which is, of course, my interest. Joe, to describe you as a freelance musician really doesn't give that word justice. You're almost the, the epitome of a professional trumpet player, having done so many different things over your, your career, you know, different ensembles, different solo performances, different styles. Wow. What do you say about all that? I think I've been very fortunate for all the opportunities I've had in my career. Um, I've been a Yamaha artist for 10 years now started I think in 1996 and right around that time I really started having all these opportunities anywhere from coming to New York to join Meridian Arts Ensemble to striking out on my own as a soloist and then joining Canadian Brass and getting to do all those things in one career and and juggling all my interests uh, is a really fortunate happenstance. That's a wide variety of styles of of literature, how are, how are you able to cope with that? Um, cross my fingers a lot. I'm, how do I answer that? Do you feel like you were prepared as a musician to do all of those things? Absolutely, yes. Uh, I was prepared to do all those things, but that's not why. It was, a, again, a kind of a fortunate preparation. I, I started very young, when I was six, to play the cornet. And I did everything by ear, and I played mostly Dixieland music at the time. And I kind of learned backwards. I didn't learn how to read music until two or three years later. And um, so as, as such, I have a, a kind of a unique set of skills. I started my classical uh, studies when I was 12. And so my jazz came first, then my classical later. And my first gig was when I was 14 and a half with the Virginia Opera. 
and that was another very fortunate thing. Um, allowed me to see what the professional world really was like, and they were really great to me there. Um, I'm sure, looking back, it was a little odd for for uh, a bunch of seasoned professionals working with a 14-year-old, but they were very gracious and they showed me the ropes and they were really supportive and they may uh, they continue to be so um, and then uh, I went to Arizona State to study with David Hickman who is known as a, a classical soloist and so I got to study jazz classical all the orchestra literature um, and just had fantastic opportunities and took advantage of as many as I could you followed your studies to Arizona. And I did. David Hickman. I did. Uh, David Hickman was a, a really great influence in my life, and continues to be so. Uh, Dave was known as the the king of the B and C orchestras as far as orchestra soloists. Uh, he performed with nearly six hundred different orchestras, which I don't think anyone else has matched. And uh, especially for my my from my undergraduate degree, he was he started to kind of taper off his interest in, in being on the road so much, but he was doing between 30 and 40 solo concerts a year at that time with orchestra. So I really got to see a, a how do I say this, um, a, the most rounded musician and businessman I'd ever met. I got to see him in action on a daily basis. Um, Dave's an incredible musician and he's an incredible businessman. and. Uh, he continues to 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 be a force in the musical world. He started some in brass and some in records, and they both continue to thrive today. Also, just has a new uh, music publishing business, Hickman Editions. So, um, he's a fantastic example of what I believe you really need to uh, be and to survive in the, the musical world nowadays. An entrepreneur and a fantastic musician. And just being a great player is no longer enough, is it? Um, in most cases, I don't think so. No, I, I think that, and I don't think that's a negative thing either. I think the opportunities have just changed. The musical world is changing, and our our skills need to change to adapt. Thing. Do you think the students today that are in their, you know, conservatory program studying to be the next great orchestral trumpet player are getting that same kind of background? I'd like to say yes, but I'd say a qualified yes. I think the universities and conservatories are slow to adapt. And that's just because of bureaucracy is, is hard to change. I, I realize that. But in my opinion, um, really the universities and the conservatories, the majority of them have failed the last three generations of, of music students. Um, the model in which this country's uh, school system is set up for musicians is to set up for a, a world that existed 30 years ago. and. Again, I don't see that as anything to be scared about. It's just as you have to have your eyes wide open what you're going into. Music is a business, and and the schools really need to start radically altering their programs to prepare uh, the next generation for that.
fast forward from your Arizona days, uh, about five years or so ago, you got asked to join the Canadian Brass. I did. Another very fortunate thing in my uh, career. I, I like to use the word fortunate, not lucky, because I do. I did work very hard, and I continue to work very hard, um, and I'm proud of what I've done. But it was a very fortunate circumstance. Uh, the two original trumpet players of the group, uh, Fred Mills and Ron Rom, both retired within about five years of each other. It seems about after 25 years, if you look at any other touring group, it seems to be about the norm. About 25 years is the most a human really wants to tour on average. So those guys decided to pack it in and, and go teach at, uh, at universities, Fred at the University of Georgia and Ron at the University of Illinois. And they continue to be quite a force. It's not like they're not doing anything anymore. I think Fred might actually even be busier than he was when he was with Canadian Bass. And uh, so they had international auditions, and after uh, a round of those, I was I found myself a member of the Canadian Brass. It must have been quite a different set of circumstances than you had been used to your your career as a solo artist and the the travel and business that goes associated with that. Suddenly, you're you're now in you know, ten thousand seat concert halls and traveling by limousine and. <laughs> Is it, is it that glamorous? Um, sometimes it's glamorous, and I, I, I'd say uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's very similar to what I was doing before as a soloist, um, both uh, logistically and, and musically. And uh, being with the brass really gives me an opportunity to, to use all my skills and, and explore all my interests. So I, in the realm of one concert, I get to play all the music I like to play, which is... Uh, anything from old jazz to classical music. Um, when I say old jazz, I mean music of Fats Waller or, or all these wonderful pieces that Luther Henderson had to transcribe for the group and uh, preserve the style of that era. You know, I hadn't realized that your background was starting out on Dixieland cornet, and I, I, I didn't know that. But now that makes all the sense in the world, having heard you play those uh, you know, cornet solos with the Canadian brass, and and uh, you know, that's full circle. So, did the experience with the Canadian brass prepare you for what now is kind of the next stage of your trumpet playing career? Um, I think my experience with Canadian Brass is, 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 is preparing me for many things that I, I haven't even explored yet. Um, the opportunity to perform in, in so many different venues and perform in, so, in front of so many different people, kinds of people and so many people, has, has, um, I'm sure I won't really fully realize the benefit of that until years from now. It's uh, sometimes... You probably have the same experience when when you think back on what your your teacher on trombone told you. Um, sometimes, sometimes things Dave told me ten years ago, twelve years ago, I, I'm just starting to fully realize what what he meant. 
So I, I'm cognizant of that touring with the brass, that the lessons I'm learning just from from the, that sort of life, I'm not, I, I won't really fully realize that until about 10 years from now. What does the average day look like for Joe Bergstaller? There is no average day anymore. <laughs> and that's one of the things I like about my life. It's, um, it's consistently inconsistent. And uh, every day is different. So, uh, for example, for the last 12 days, I've been at home in New York. And two days from now, I, I get up really early and I have a flight to Vancouver and another flight to, to Beijing. And the Canadian Brass have a Yamaha sponsored tour in, in China for about a week and a half. We're going to go to Beijing and Shanghai and then over to Hong Kong and then come back and go to Wheaton, Illinois, where we do an entirely different program and back home for about four days and then to Fresno and in between when I'm home I'm talking with musicians in my quartet about repertoire for a, f a concert film we're doing uh, late November. So it's really juggling. Um, I'd like to sleep on the plane as much as possible, but I, I find myself arranging and composing a lot. It seems to be an opportune time, as long as they have power outlets so I can plug my laptop in and use Finale. So tell me a little bit about the solo projects that you mentioned. You have two projects you're working on? Well, one I'm working on and one actually has existed since you and I met. Uh, one is is uh, Joe Berksdaller in recital. It used to be called the Mendez Project. And that was uh, patterned after uh, one of my heroes, Rafael Mendez, who was known as the world's greatest trumpet player. And he was really the first internationally known trumpet soloist. And uh, Mendez had quite the reputation and he created a wealth of repertoire. And uh, so that project has me, uh, um, it used to have me really busy. I used to, when we met, I was doing 60 of those a year. You were doing, you know, one nighters across central Nebraska. <laughs> That's right. Living, living the, the high States. life uh, in <laughs> right. the back of a rental car, it sounded like. Living the real life of a touring musician. And I was really fortunate to, to perform 60 of those recitals a year. In fact, I think I called you, you know, back in those days when somebody asked what Joe was trying to say. He's like, the hardest working man that nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> like the, the epitome of the working musician that you're so busy nobody knows you. And it's only the, the conundrum of the professional musician. You're, you you're so busy working that you're never around. Joe, you've been playing Yamaha trumpets now for over 10 years. What What is it about Yamaha trumpets that become your musical voice? Uh, I've always felt that Yamaha trumpets allow me to express myself without really worrying about uh, any limitations of the instruments. Um, the, the, the palette of colors that you can achieve on a, on a Yamaha trumpet, it's so flexible. 
Um, and that's really what I need in my career is, is a trumpet that, one trumpet that I don't have to switch. Just one trumpet I can go on stage and play any style of music and change the sound like I want. Um, that's a real rarity in the business, and I'm, I'm sure you know that. Um, and and I, I'm confident when I hold the Yamaha trumpet in my hand that I can do anything I want. Um, I won't say that any trumpet is magic, because that's just uh, that's just not true. You have to have the skills to, to bring it out on the trumpet. But if you don't have the right instrument in your hand, um, you're not going to really reach the heights that you want to. And I'm always confident holding a Yamaha trumpet in my hand that anything I can do will come out on that trumpet. So you decide, described yourself earlier as a, a, a tweener playing classical and jazz. So you need a horn that can do all those things. And you play one instrument for all that? I play one instrument for all that. I actually play usually four or five different instruments, but they're all in different keys and they're all Yamahas. But I play, a, a, my B flat is a, a Yamaha Zeno. And that's what I've been playing for five or six years now. And that's really the most flexible trumpet I've ever run across. Um, it, how to describe this? I'm, well, probably trumpet players are listening to this more than anything else. And, and I can tell the trumpet players out there that the, the evenness in the range is something that is also rare to, to find on a trumpet. Um, more than that, any color I want and any style I want I really can make come out of that horn, and I don't have to work for it. Um, a lot of other trumpets I've tried throughout my career are, they try to be more specialized, and perhaps one trumpet might sound only good in orchestra, and one trump trumpet might sound only good in a, in a small combo. I don't have the luxury of carrying four or five B-flats around just for the different styles I have. And the Yamaha trumpet, especially the Xeno, allows me to, to have that flexibility all in one horn. I've got your quartet project here, uh, holding in my hand. Tell me a little bit about your your work uh, with the quartet. The quartet is uh, my my newest solo project, and that started about a year ago. Uh, just the conception of it, and it's it's myself and three other fantastic musicians. Uh, a really amazing crossover uh, jazz and classical pianist Hector Martignol, who plays regularly with Paquito de Rio and uh, my old friend John Ferrari on percussion, uh, also still playing with Meridian Arts Ensemble, and a fantastic uh, guitarist and bassist from London, uh, Justin Quinn, who I met uh, playing, he was playing Broadway last year here in New York, and I met him through some friends. And uh, the whole project is based around, again, uh, basically my different musical in uh, interests, um, the instrumentation is uh, flexible enough that I can play uh, with piano, I can play, there's a flugel and, and, and kunga duet in this show, uh, and each guy is, is, is represented in the solo work as well, so John is going to get up and do a, a Bach on a vibraphone, um, Justin has a, he has a whole jazz thing of his own that he does in London and, and several CDs out in his own composition, so he'll be showcased on that. And Hector is just an animal. He just goes all over the place. It sounds like a project that only that this group of musicians could do. Yes, exactly. And and it's it's pretty unique. It's formed around uh, the basis of the show is Claude Bowling's Toot Suite, which was recorded by Maurice Andre 25 years ago. And uh, two summers ago, I met with Claude. Uh, he's still touring. He still has a big band. He's still he's still working. And I, I met with him in France. 
and I sat down with him and I explained what I wanted to do with my project, which was based around his work. The challenge is Toot Sweet in its original form is 37 minutes long, and I really can't afford to have one work dominate an entire uh, concert like that, so we shaved it down to 17 minutes, and we've adapted it and changed it uh, with a lot of open sections uh, for this group and the unique talents that are represented with these four guys. What are you listening to on your iPod right now? Um, well, on my iPod, I have uh, Chris Bodie, really? a favorite of mine. Oh, neat. So he's a friend of mine. I, I met him in Germany after he he uh, was already pretty famous, and I had been listening to his music, was really interested in it. And um, not as the only, only a fantastic musician, I, I could only just really strongly urge anyone out there to go see him live. Um, a fantastic performer and surrounded by um, unbelievable musicians as well. His band is just really, really strong. Um, also, who else have I been listening to? German Brass and Enrique Crespo, who is the founder of that group. They have great arrangements and they're friends of mine and friends of Canadian Brass. Um, I've been listening to a lot of old Astro Piazzolla recordings because I like to c kind of comb through his repertoire and see what else I can arrange and transcribe of his. Also been listening to um, well the old recordings I listened to are Maurice Andre recordings. I really love that. He was really the my classical trumpet hero. Uh, been listening to some Clifford Brown lately again. Um, never can go wrong with Clifford. So in the same breath you said Piazzolla, Maurice Andre, Clifford Brown Again, the, the diversity of your musical styles. There's so many different things I'm listening to. I like, there's a CD of Sarzuelas that I've been listening to, band music from, from Spain. Um, there's been some Balkan brass music. Uh, it's the, I only can take about 10 minutes of that at, at one time because it's just so frenetic and frantic, but uh, the, I really like the modal stuff they do. Um, Miles, I was listening to Sketches of Spain last night. That's my favorite all-time Miles, Miles Davis album. I read somewhere that Miles is as popular today, if not more, than he was during the height of his career. I'd, that, I'd believe that. Miles that. still sells. <clears throat> I'd believe that. I, I think uh, usually geniuses like Miles uh, or Frank Zappa or Piazzolla are more accepted uh, on a broad basis and more recognized after they pass away. Um, that happened with you know, purely classical composers too, so that's not a new phenomenon, 
but it's certainly, a, I think, a tried and true one. And I think just with time, and as the, the fringe becomes the norm, I think that the, those, those geniuses have more marketability. What do you see the next 10 years of being a professional musician like? Do you see it evolving as much as it has in the last 10 years where you're gonna need a whole new set of skills in 10 years, and not a whole new set, but a new set of skills in 10 years to adapt to the changing world of the arts environment? Absolutely. I think the next 10 years are um, going to be very exciting in the musical world. I think everything is changing very rapidly. I think the, the students coming out of the conservatories and uh, colleges and universities, they know that by now, and I think a lot of them are, are starting to change their approach, even if the schools haven't been quick to respond. Um, I think because the business is changing so radically, you're going to have to be able to play anything and be really flexible. Um, and it's really an opportunity. I, I know uh, one way to look at it is, is it's scary, and I think the better way to look at it is it's a fantastic opportunity to carve out what you want to do in music rather than have an institution tell you what you're going to do in music. I think uh, the musical world is ripe for opportunity and whoever grabs it, there's, there's just so much room out there for everyone to do what they want to do. taking the time to come over and talk today. My pleasure. Good luck with the quintet project, the solo projects. How can people learn more about your itinerary, your projects? Uh, what, where can they go to find more information? There's all sorts of places on the internet you can find uh, things about what I'm doing. Uh, first and foremost at my website, joeberkstaller.com. That's B-U-R-G-S-T-A-L-L-E-R. And also you can go to the Yamaha Band and Orchestral Instruments division website and they have uh, a page um, fortunately about me I feel very fortunate to have that page thank you very much and uh, it links to my website and it also links to Canadian Brass's website which has our full concert season on there and uh, you can reach me by email if you have any questions and and uh, also links to the ICM website which uh, books Canadian Brass and both of my solo projects right. well thanks again for the time and uh, best wishes thank you very much Kurt Thank you.